Okay, so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to discuss, um, I think it's really what will amount to a number of different shilas, a number of different uh, related questions. Um, and when I started preparing and I was going to pull out the various marimakomos, the various sources that we would uh, that we would look at, so it seemed that uh, the one of the places where I was getting the marimakomos that the marimakomos were not so precise. They're making reference to uh, to Sfarim or, or 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 passages in Sfarim, which I could not find, which uh, didn't seem to uh, to be there. So I said that uh, maybe the easiest thing to do is just to go through the piece, uh, this one tshuva directly from the tshuva, and from that we'll be able to uh, you know to get all of the the different ideas and the uh, the applications. And uh, in the Chosha Mishpat world, this is something which is very common. It's common in the secular world too, but in the Chosha Mishpat world also, it's something which is uh, which presents a number of common scenarios. And it is, uh, in my opinion, a great illustration of the idea that what may seem to be a uh, um, similar scenarios, uh, really one has to think and consider very uh, uh, deliberately and very precisely whether or not all of the cases are the same or whether or not they are, uh, or in what way they are different from one another. Okay, so with that introduction in place, so we're going to go with the following. So hopefully on your screen over there, it should have appeared just now. So this is from a sefer called Meshiv Bahalacha. Meshiv Bahalacha is from a Rabbi Yechiel Tauber. Uh, from he was in uh, he was a Muncie, somebody who was well known uh, in the world of uh, of Chosha Mishpat, and he has two volumes on Chosha Mishpat uh, related uh, topics. This is actually the last or the second to last simon. So he's got 427 or 428 different topics or different shilas which, uh, which he addresses. And as we'll see, many of the questions which he addresses have subtopics and subtopics to subtopics. We're going to see all of that. Okay, so the question goes as follows. The name of it is, the title of this piece is, Be'inyan po'el shehizik im hasochro chayv l'shalim. So an employee goes ahead and damages property. And the question is whether the employer, the Sochra over here, is the one who, employ, who employed that employee, is he obligated to pay? And the easiest um, scenario to, uh, to think about this, uh, this Shaila, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll address it explicitly, but just to make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of what we're considering over here, so let's say, uh, Ralph, you'll be our representative tonight. So Ralph is going to be the general contractor to go ahead and do some, uh, do a, um, some kitchen remodeling uh, by the Schaffel home. And uh, since Ralph is the general contractor, but he doesn't actually hold, he doesn't hold a hammer or a screwdriver or a paintbrush or any of those things personally, he hires people to go ahead and do all the work for him. And one of his employees, one of the subcontractors, goes out and damages property. We'll see whether it's my property or whether the neighbor's property. But one of one of the one of Ralph's subcontractors goes out and damages property. And I don't really know who the subcontractor is. I didn't hire him. I never uh, met him before. I never talked to him. I just know that that employee went ahead and damaged my stuff. So the question is: Is Ralph going to be responsible? for the damage which is caused by his subcontractor. 
So that's the general question which we are going to explore. So now we'll see it a little bit more explicitly. They'll spell it out for us. He says, She'ela. So the case over here is, isn't a kitchen. The case over here is that uh, uh, I hire Ralph to go ahead and fix my balcony or to fix my deck. Let's say he's going to go ahead and fix my deck. It needs some, it's old and it needs some repairs. And in the process of taking care of things, the process of of fixing things, so Ralph's subcontractor, maybe his uh, the guy who does uh, uh, wood for him, so he went ahead and he caused some damage. So the question is, is Ralph going to be responsible for the damage which his subcontractor went ahead and uh, and caused? I don't want to have to fight with the subcontractor. I don't really know him from anything. Uh, I'm not interested in talking with him and running after him. I just want the repair to uh, to be finished. And is he uh, is he responsible? Is Ralph responsible or not? So here he says tshuva. So he says the answer is nechleku haposkim bepal shehizik. So the po- the poskim actually have a disagreement. They have a machlokes whether uh, regarding a subcontractor who goes out and damages property. Haim Chayev Hasocho is the one who hired him. Ralph, or the general contractor, is that person responsible? Midin, and the basis to go ahead and hold Ralph responsible is a halachic principle, which is Midin Yad Poel Kiyad Balabayas. That in many ways, we consider the hands, literally, we consider the hand of the of an employee to be an extension of the hands of the employer. So it's as if the employer just has extended longer arms, like Stretch Armstrong, if you remember. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to imagine that Ralph's arms extend like Stretch Armstrong. And when his employee goes ahead and inflicts damage, so maybe Ralph is responsible because the worker is as if he's doing it himself. Now, this idea, you should, you should be aware, before we read the, the next line, so you should be aware that this principle of Yad Pol, Kiyad Balabai, is dummy, so gives rise to one of the more interesting um, halachas that, uh, you know, that I've come across in, in, in many, many years. So there's a, a, a famous work on halacha called the Machin Ephraim. So Machin Ephraim wrote essentially on all topics of, of halacha, but he has what's considered to be his most famous piece. And that is, there's a halacha, as you all know, that when you go ahead and if you have a flat roof uh, on your house, and that flat roof is going to be used as another room, it'll be used literally as like a sunroom or something like that. So there's a of there's an obligation to go ahead and put up a fence around the edge of that roof to make sure that nobody falls off. And it's considered to be a mitzvah, and there is a bracha to recite. So if you go ahead and you construct that fence around your, your roof, asisa makhilagagecha, the Torah says, you're going to go ahead and put up a fence around your roof. So the Machin Ephraim says, using this principle of yad pok, yad balabai, dami, this notion that what the employee does is considered to be just an extension of the employer's hands. So he says... Uh, we'll use you for this part, Art. So Art goes ahead and decides that uh, he does, he's not interested in climbing onto his roof to go ahead and put up the fence. So he's going to hire a non-Jew. He's going to hire a Gentile to go ahead and construct the fence. 
So all of us would have assumed that if Art, if Art goes ahead and puts up the fence himself, so then he'll say the bracha. But if he goes ahead and hires a Gentile to construct the fence, so there's no bracha to be recited because the, the Gentile isn't going to recite the bracha, and Art isn't actually doing the construction. He's not doing the maisa mitzvah of constructing that fence. Comes along the Machna Ephraim, and he says no. He says this principle of Yad Paul Kiyad Balabayas dummy, that the hand of the employee is considered to be an extension of the employer's hand. What that means is, is that when the Gentile goes out and constructs that fence, it's as if Art is doing it personally, and therefore Art could say the bracha on the construction of the fence, even though all of the work is actually done by his employee. So that's how far-reaching this principle of Yad Pok, Yad Balabayas Dami, that extends, it's not, it's not a shlichus dikadin, it's not halacha related to agency, relating to somebody being a shliach, because if that was the basis of halacha, so the, the uh, Chazal tell us that a Gentile cannot serve as a halachic shliach, but this works as a stronger principle called Yad Pok, Yad Balabayas Dami. So he says, if Tauber says, the Meshi Balacha says, there's a machlokas, whether or not when an employee goes ahead and damages property, so can we hold the employer responsible based on this principle of yad po kiyad balabayas dami? So as you are all experienced, Choshemishpa people know what happens when there's a machlokas, whether or not somebody is chayav. Lachain, mikir adin, So therefore, it is impossible halachically to hold the employer responsible to go ahead and pay for the damage which was inflicted by his employee. Anytime there's going to be a machlokas, whether somebody has to pay, so there's no way that we're going to be able to force him to pay. But, interestingly enough, umikom makom im tafas, this is the flip side of that, im tafas lo let's say what happened was, they are the... Um, uh, the Balabayas comes home, um, uh, I come home, and I see that Ralph has, uh, Ralph's employee went ahead and damaged, I don't know, let's say while fixing the deck, he went ahead and he broke the, uh, the, the glass door, the, uh, the sliding door, the patio door. So that's a good $500 worth of, uh, w- worth of damage, the, uh, the repair. And I decide, so it happened, I, I don't realize that the damage was done until I get home from work. At that point, Ralph isn't on the site, and Ralph's uh, subcontractor isn't on the site, but they went ahead and they left behind some of their tools. They left their tools right, uh, right inside the, uh, the patio door, so there's $500 worth of tools there. So in such a case, so I may be able to go ahead and grab those tools to cover the cost of the patio door repair, and as long as I am now in possession of the stuff, and Ralph is asking me for to uh, to return it to him, so I am the muhzuk, I'm the one in possession. Ralph is trying to force me to return the stuff to him. So we've now flipped the uh, the, the switch over here, and at this point, Ralph is now the motzi. He's the one who is seeking to collect, and he has to prove that I don't have the right to money to that money. And since it's a machlokas, then Ralph loses. So the bottom line in the Shaila is whoever is seeking to collect would have to prove their case, being that it's a machlokas, you can never prove that you are that you, your your argument or your case is correct, and therefore the money is going to stay where it is. Okay. Now, but so this is 
Um, actually, I shouldn't even use the patio door as, a, as an example. Uh, let's say he went ahead and he broke, you know, one of the, uh, he was supposed to uh, screw in the wooden uh, pieces of decking. And instead he went ahead and he uh, he broke one of them. He, sh- he cracked one of them and it's no longer usable. So then you have the machlokas, whether Ralph was responsible for the damage which was done by his employee. Aval imapol hizik But let's say what happened was Ralph went ahead and he hired his subcontractor to go ahead and to um, to repair the fence. And as that employee was driving up, that employee went ahead and drove over my kid's bike. Right. So the bike is now broken; cannot be repaired. A uh, hundred and fifty dollar bike, let's say. So in such a case where the pole didn't damage the fence that he was working on, he he damaged something which had nothing to do with the job at all. He ran over that he wasn't looking when he was backing up his truck and he ran over an electric scooter or he ran over somebody's bicycle or something like that. So then, so in that scenario, so in that case, everybody is going to agree that Ralph is not responsible for the damage which is caused by his subcontractor. The only shyla of whether or not Ralph could be held accountable for the damage done by his employee is if the employee did damage in the course, in the context of what he, the job that he was hired to do. But if he damaged something which has nothing at all to do with what the, the employer, the employee was hired to do, at that moment, when that damage takes place, we say he wasn't doing his job. And while he's not doing his job, he's certainly not considered to be an extension of the employer. And and in such a case, we say that Ralph is going to be exempt from any liability whatsoever. And I can't even go ahead and grab his tools to try and hold on to them to recover the uh, the damage which was done to the bicycle. I have no recourse against Ralph whatsoever. And if somebody's going to have to pay, that's going to be the employee, but it's not going to be Ralph. Okay, so that is part number one. Um, yeah, let's just read this one part of the note because much of it we already explained. So this last part, where we said that if uh, while driving up to the uh, to the uh, to the job site, so the employee went ahead and ran over a bicycle, that Ralph is not going to be responsible. So explains Rav Tauber in the footnote over here. He says, Aval im lo study, but in the event that the employee was not paying attention at all when he was driving his truck, and velo and they ended up causing damage, but completely outside of the context of the job that he was hired to do. So So in such a scenario, Everybody's going to agree that he is not chayev, that Ralph isn't responsible for that damage. Midin yad paul based on the principle of that the hand of the employee is an extension of the hand of the balabas. And he's not responsible even bidei shemaim. There's not even a moral responsibility that Ralph has to go ahead and reimburse me for the broken bicycle. He doesn't have to feel guilty at all. I could call up Ralph, and this uh, we 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 uh, I've dealt with uh, scenarios like this before, where somebody feels that they're owed money, and they uh, they may call up Ralph and say, "Listen, 
I hired you to go ahead and fix my deck. You went ahead and subcontracted somebody else to do it. And he went ahead and ran over my kid's bike. And listen, you may not be Chayiv Maker Adin. You may not be, it may be that Basin cannot force you to pay, but you should really do the right thing. You should do the correct thing and you should take responsibility for it. And morally, if you're a good Jew, so you're going to go ahead and you're going to pay out this, uh, this money for the damage which your employee went ahead and, uh, and caused. And although the person may be very adamant, it may be very passionate, it may be very emotional uh, in insisting that Ralph should take responsibility, even on some sort of moral high ground, that he should be, that he should, uh, he should, uh, that he should uh, pay for the repair. But really, Meikra Adin, there is no obligation whatsoever. And after 120, Ralph will get up to Shemayim, and they won't even mention the incident at all. He's not accountable for that in any way, shape, or form. Not be day Adam and not be day Shemayim. So now that is scenarios one and two. One and two is when the damage was done in the course of the employment. That we said it's a machlokas, whether or not Ralph could be held accountable for what his employee did. And then there's damages which the employee does completely outside of the context of the job he was hired to do. And in that case, then everybody agrees that Ralph is not going to be responsible for that. Okay. Then he says, in the next paragraph up on top, he says, Now there are some contractors, in order to generate more business, they go ahead and they accept upon themselves liability, full liability for damages. They like have an insurance policy or something. We are licensed and bonded, licensed, insured and bonded. So you know that when you're hiring somebody who's insured, so then you are you feel many people feel much more confident hiring a person who is licensed, insured, and bonded, because that way they know if something goes wrong, there's going to be some sort of recourse. You hire some guy on the cheap who works out of his uh, his pickup truck or works out of his van. So if something goes wrong, so you never know whether that you'll ever see that person again. You don't know whether they'll stand by their word or anything like that. So many people go ahead and make sure that they are licensed, bonded, and insured as a means of drumming up uh, a business. The yesh ema But there are other people who don't accept a chayas. Huge, huge difference between a mechanic who works out of a shop and actually is licensed, bonded, insured, all of that stuff because he has a formal repair shop and a guy to whom you bring your car to do a repair out of his garage. So one guy, obviously, there's a, there's a, if something goes wrong, there's more likely going to be some recourse or something that you could do to make sure to correct the error. Some guy working out of his garage, so you're going to be stuck. Uh, if it works, great. But if it doesn't work, you're probably out of luck. So he says, so gavna. So in such a case, niskar. So then, in, in the event that you hired somebody, so then you have to will have to determine whether or not that contractor, the general contractor, um, is going to be liable or not. So that is going to depend on whether or not. The uh, w- what type of a uh, contractor he is? Is this a licensed, insured, in bonded general contractor, or this is a guy who works out of his pickup truck and doesn't have any of that uh, that formal stuff? 
אם יש ענן סהדי שהסמך זה סחרו או לא. And also what we need to know is, was it something, is there enough evidence which points us in the direction uh, to indicate that the homeowner went ahead and hired this contractor because he was licensed, insured, and bonded, or was that not part of his interest at all? And we'll see in the footnote that usually you can tell based on price whether or not the person is licensed, insured, or bonded or not. You should be able to tell from that. Vimyesh Suffolk Mezes Sugheim, and in the event that there's some sort of uncertainty, which type of general contractor you thought you were hiring, whether it was the type that was licensed, bonded, insured, or whether it was the type that was not, so then we'll default to the general rule of Chosha Mishpat, which is the fact that the burden of proof is always going to rest on the one who is seeking to collect. What's going on over here? So he says, um, so now he says the footnote over here. Hine, going back to his, his scenario. Hine hasoche kablon lesaken hamripasis. So in our case, I went ahead and I hired Ralph to fix the deck. Or fix the, my, uh, my uh, let's say the, the deck is where I build the sukkah. And after a lot of many years, so the sukkah pieces no longer fit properly into the, into the deck. So some repairs need to be made. Vikr pulas hakablon. Now, what is what am I hiring Ralph to do? Again, I know that Ralph couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a hammer if he tried. So, so knowing that he couldn't go ahead and do that if he tried, so I'm not expecting him to go ahead and do the repair. I know that he's going to hire, he's going to subcontract other people to do the repair. So if other people are actually going to do the work, so what am I hiring Ralph to do? I'm hiring Ralph to make sure that those guys show up and they make the repair as specified. So his job is to oversee the project, not to actually do any of the repairs himself. And I, as the owner of the house, I am not going to oversee the project at all. I'm not going to do any of that work. I'm going to be gone all day when the uh, employees, when the subcontractors come and go and do their work. And I'm not going to be standing there to make sure that they do the right work, they do it according to code, and that they do it, uh, they do it properly. I'm not going to be watching that at all. The Akablon, who Kehashomer al Havoda. And in that case, Ralph, who is the general contractor, he is considered to be the Shomer, he's considered to be the custodian, the one who's responsible for the work. And he says, let me break that down. So in such a case where I'm not going to be overseeing the project at all, I'm hiring Ralph specifically for him to oversee the project. I don't want to be there handling with these guys about whether they're doing the right thing or whether they're not doing the right thing. I'm hiring somebody else to go ahead and take care of that for me, do the ordering and the uh, making sure that everything that shows up is what's supposed to show up and all of that. And in such a case, Ralph not only takes responsibility to make sure that the work gets done, but he also generally takes responsibility in case something goes wrong, that he's going to go ahead and correct that error. 
in the event that they buy the wrong color wood. So somebody's got to tell them to remove the wrong color wood and replace it with the correct color wood or the correct um, uh, weather-treated wood, whatever is going to be, it needs to be done correctly. And Ralph takes responsibility for that as well as any potential damage which could arise from doing this job. And very often, he ha- he's, that's the insured part of it. He has insurance uh, that in the event that something goes wrong, that the insurance will pay for the damage. That I, as the, the Balabayas who's hiring him, so I am assured of being indemnified of all uh, any potential damage which happens. And when I hire such a contractor who is licensed, bond, bonded, and insured, so so that's why somebody who is licensed, bonded, and insured, so their costs are obviously going to be higher than a guy who, do, who doesn't have any of those qualifications. He's not licensed, he's not bonded, he's not insured, and you just hope for the best that it actually works out. And then there are some contractors who say, listen, I'm going to do the job for you. I'm not responsible if any damage happens. I can't accept the responsibility for that. I'm not going to be on site all the time because I'm overseeing many different projects simultaneously. And if damage happens, so I'm so sorry, but I'm not, I'm not responsible for that. And sometimes, so they go ahead and they put into the contract the, uh, the, uh, a release of liability that the homeowner isn't going to hold them liable or responsible for any damage which, which results. And being that, there are these two different categories now of contractors, some licensed, bonded, insured, and some not licensed, not bonded, and not insured. And a major difference between them is going to be the extent to which they're going to be liable for damages. Now, this is the worst thing that happens for us Chosha Mishma people. It gives us uh, nightmares and we can't sleep at night. He says, in the event that the two parties did not discuss ahead of time whether or not the general contractor is going to be liable for damages. We just figured, well, you've, you've worked on my, you've worked on, you've done many different uh, repair projects in my house before, and I trust you and you trust me and everything has been great. So this time through, we didn't discuss anything. So then, Mistaber, so how do we know what the expectation is? So here he speaks out a very important point. He says, Mistaber, So we can look at how much did the project cost? Because we can generalize, we can say, how much does the, how much would, what would be the range that contractors would charge uh, if they are licensed, bonded, and insured to do such a job? And how much do contractors charge who are not licensed, insured, and bonded to do such a job? And if the price clearly indicates to us that you're paying this amount, and the only way, the only time that somebody pays this higher amount is because they're expecting licensed, bonded, and insured, even though they didn't speak it out, the amount that you're paying clearly indicates that that was part of what you were expecting to get. And in the event that you were going on the cheap, and you're trying to do it, you're trying to scrape every nickel together and every dime to make sure to not pay anything more than necessary, and nobody who's licensed, bonded, or insured would ever charge such a low cost. So then that money indicates to us that you are not expecting him to take a chariot to take responsibility for damage. 
and this is uh, this principle is something which is clearly spelled out by the Ktsos over there in Shin Yud Beis. That there are times where we can look at what the price, the, the charged price is, and that will be a good indicator to us as to what the customer was expecting, what 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 quality the customer was expecting, and what quality the uh the um the uh, uh merchant or the uh, the service provider must provide. Okay, now, but he says, aval ho prati. Uh, now, all of this so far in this footnote, what we were discussing is where Ralph is the general contractor, but as we said, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a hammer, even if you gave him a couple of days' practice to go ahead and do so. But sometimes you do have a contractor who actually does some of the work also. So he says, So let's say you hire a, uh, you know, you hire a painter, and that painter comes with an apprentice, or he comes with an assistant, and they work side by side. Or you could have, you could have an electrician where you hire the electrician to do the work, and he has a guy who's working with him that he's training into the business. But the guy that you hired, the expectation is that he is going to be doing some of the work. So Kevin Sheinlo Eisek Gadol. Uh, so he says that in the event that it's not such a big job and you're not paying this higher uh, uh, end of the range, which would thereby indicate that you're expecting him to be insured, you again, you're trying to hire him as ch- to, to get the job done as cheaply as possible. So in such a case, if we didn't speak out ahead of time, whether there is liability or not, and there's not a known minog what to do in such a case, so then Ralph would not be responsible for what his electrician apprentice or what his painter apprentice, the damage which he went ahead and did. Because in many instances, and again, everything depends on time and place and what's common, but in these types of scenarios, it's very common that you're not getting somebody who's licensed, bonded, and insured. You're just taking somebody that your brother-in-law told you about, that your cousin told you about, that your neighbor told you about, somebody who's, who's good and really cheap, and you just hire them to get the job done, and there's no expectation of, of uh, them uh, bearing any sort of liability for damage which may be done by their employee. So here is another distinction which he's uh, which of Tauber the Meshiv Alacha is drawing our attention to, and that has to do with that there's a difference between a general contractor where his whole job is only to oversee what's going on, which makes it more likely that he's going to carry liability, versus hiring somebody who's actually going to do the job himself, but at the same time hire somebody to assist him. And in that case, we're going to say that it may be less likely that the contractor is going to bear liability in that case. Okay, now he continues at the top of the page here. Um, now, and this is something which also, we get Dine Torah about this. So he says, So again, I hired a guy to go ahead and fix my deck. And in the course of fixing my deck, the employee went ahead and damaged the Hamawis. They damaged my next-door neighbor. So they didn't do the damage to me. They damaged the, my next-door neighbor. So the next-door neighbor becomes furious and says, hey, 
you went ahead and you hired somebody to go ahead and fix your deck. That guy went ahead and drove over my kid's bicycle, or that guy went ahead and as he was swinging the hammer, he went ahead and smashed my window. So in that case, Bekai Gavna, so in that case, where the employee did cause damage on another person's, not the subcontractor, I should say, where the subcontractor, where the subcontractor went ahead and damaged the neighbor's property. So here also we say everybody's going to agree that the contractor, the general contractor, meaning Ralph, so he's not going to be responsible in that case. Why is that so? Um Um, okay, we'll just read it. So he says, because the liability of the general contractor, Ralph, is only in the event that they go ahead and they cause damage to me, the one who hired him in the first place. But in the event that that uh, Ralph's employee, his subcontractor, went ahead and damaged my neighbor. So in such a case, we say that Ralph didn't accept any responsibility whatsoever to make sure that his subcontractor wouldn't damage the neighbor's property. I never accepted a chariz for that. He never accepted a chariz for that. Because what do either I... Or Ralph have to do with the fact that this employee, the subcontractor, went ahead and damaged the neighbor. He never accepted any responsibility to the neighbor. There's a shaila whether or not Ralph assured me, the one who hired him, that he would not go ahead and damage my property. He became a shomer on my property. But he never became a shomer on my neighbor's property. So since he never became a shomer on my neighbor's property, there's no way that we could hold him responsible for what his employee did to the neighbor, to my neighbor. Nothing to do with him. Then he says, And he says, even if it were to be so, that the government, that Dina de Machusa says, that one is responsible for the, the damage which is caused by an employee, even if it's the damage which is done to the neighbor. But he says, says uh, the Meshavah Allah, According to Allah, according to Shulchan Aruch, there is no liability whatsoever. Because Ralph didn't send this guy to go ahead and do anything by the neighbor's house. He hired him to fix my debt. He didn't hire him to do anything towards the neighbor. And if the, the subcontractor went rogue and just started, you know, uh, playing with his nail gun and just shooting nails all over the place. And he went into the neighbor's, uh, broke the neighbor's window as he was playing with his nail gun. So what does that have to do with me? He wasn't supposed to be doing that. And he cannot be considered Ralph's shliach. He can't be considered an extension of Ralph for doing those crazy things. And, uh, okay, and he emphasizes the fact that in such a scenario, so we would not apply the rule of Dina de Machusa Dina, and we would not be able to force Ralph to go ahead and pay for the damage which uh, which his employee did to my neighbor. Okay, now he says, um, okay, we'll do one more paragraph here. Now he says, So until now we were talking about a contractor. 
Now let's assume that uh, Ralph decided, you know what? I don't want to be responsible for my subcontractors anymore. They're giving me a headache. I, I, I don't know what they're doing, where they're doing, all the damage that they're, which they're doing. I'm going to learn how to hammer and nail myself. And he's going to go ahead and teach an old dog new tricks. And he's going to go ahead and learn how to, uh, to fix, uh, to fix the, uh, the deck. And generally, but Ralph is smart enough, he's been around the block enough times, that he knows that if I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be hired to fix Shaffle's deck, I'm going to make Shaffle sign a contract that says that in the event that damage occurs, I'm not going to be responsible for damages. So that's generally what he does. But we forgot. We, we planned on signing such an agreement. It was part of what we thought we were going to do. But Lamaisa, we never actually got around to signing that. So Ralph never, really for, never formally accepted liability. So nonetheless, so therefore, since he never exempted himself, I have Lashalim. So if it turns out that he damages my property, so now that we're talking not his subcontractor, but we're talking about Ralph himself caused the damage, so then we apply the rule, Adam Mu'ad Olam that a person is always considered to be pre-warned and responsible and liable for damages which he causes. And in such a case, if, if Ralph did not take the steps to explicitly exempt himself from liability, so he's fully chayef. Ah, however, uh, um, Yeah. Now let's say what happened was that uh, Ralph went ahead and he was uh, fixing the deck by putting in new nails into the into the wood so that it would be uh, everything would be more secure. But it happened to be that the deck was so old that when he hammered a couple of nails into the piece of wood, the wood the wood decking, so he went ahead and the wood shattered. So in the event that the damage, so it, Lamaisa. Ralph caused the damage. He he banged it with his hammer, and when he banged it with his hammer, the wood went ahead and shattered. But the reason why it shattered is because the wood that he was working with is so old. It was so old, is so worn as a result of the Chicago winters and the Chicago summers. And it was only in the normal course of repairs that it turns out that the thing was so bad that it shattered. So then... Ralph is going to be exempt because that's not considered to be damages which he did. That's damages which which were expected to occur because the wood was so old. And in such a case, Ralph is not responsible. And furthermore, in the event that there's any sort of uncertainty whether or not the damage resulted from something which Ralph did uh, specifically, which is out of the ordinary, or whether the damage which resulted was something which was inevitable, it was going to happen no matter who did the repair, because the uh, the the materials were so bad. So then he's he's going to be exempt. Um, over here, um, yeah, we're just going to jump down over here just for time's sake. So this is something which it actually comes up. Um, the cases which we've had related to this is you have a plumber who needs to go ahead and he's trying to make a repair on some pipes 
And as he's using his wrench on the pipes, sometimes the pipes are so worn and so uh, so weak and so fragile that the pipe just goes out and bursts. So he's just doing the normal turn with his wrench, and then suddenly the uh, the uh, you know the the wrench eats through the pipe, and the pipe uh, the pipe explodes. So those are cases which we've had like the, the, that before. So here the Meishu Ba'alacha says in the footnote, "Avali Let's say the damage resulted only because the pipes that he was working with that he was trying to repair are so old, and they're so delicate. The older pipes, so they don't they're not they're not as strong. And sometimes they get uh, rusted. They get very rusty, and that obviously weakens the uh, the pipe when they are rusty. And as he was tightening the bolt, uh, or the uh, the uh, it was tightening one of the uh, it's not a bolt, whatever it is. The uh, he was tightening the uh, the thing uh, 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 in the course of. Uh, in the course of the repair, and while he was tightening what he was supposed to do, so it ended up uh, just uh, uh, eating through the uh, eating through the pipe. And there was no way to know ahead of time whether or not the pipe would shatter, whether it would uh, whether it would shatter or not. Have a mazik brishus So in this case, this is what we call mazik brishus that you damage something with permission. Meaning when I hired him to go ahead and to fix the pipe, so I knew that fixing the pipe, fixing the leak is going to involve turning a wrench on the pipes. And being that I know perfectly well that he's going to be turning the wrench on the pipes, he has permission to do so. I can't hold him accountable for damaging something in the course of fixing something, which had anybody done this, the same the same thing would have resulted. Anybody who turned that, uh, that thing would have shattered the uh, pipe. That's what we call mazik birshus, that the damage was done because you had permission to be playing around with or moving around with that guy's stuff, and therefore you're potter. In such a case, the employee is going to be exempt. Now let's say, which, uh, which commonly uh, is the, uh, the disagreement, so the, the employee, the plumber says, listen, no matter who did this job, it was going to go ahead and break. And almost inevitably, the Balabas is going to say, what are you talking about? My cousin's best friend's neighbor's brother-in-law, he knows how to fix these things without causing any damage whatsoever, and he wouldn't have shattered the pipe. So now we have a disagreement whether or not the shattering of the pipe is inevitable. So ain't Omri, we don't say in such a case, but haklau ain't savak motzmi devadai. That the claim by the homeowner that you are responsible uh, for it. We don't apply such a rule. The Kevin Shabavadai Hezek, being that we know for sure damage was done, the Suffolk Im Yeshlo Pitur, and there's an uncertainty whether he's exempt. So in such a case, Chai So in this case, we would actually say if there's a disagreement whether or not the employee has to pay for that damage. So the luck is going to be, we are going to go ahead and make him responsible. We're not going to apply the rule, Hamotsi Mechaver Olivariah, we're going to apply the rule that we know for sure that you damaged. You're claiming that you have some sort of exemption because this is something which is going to happen no matter what. But if there's an uncertainty about that, so all we know with certainty is that you busted the pipe. And if all we know with certainty is you busted the pipe, so you got to pay for a busted pipe. Zosomeris, this means, but in the event that we know for sure that these are old pipes, 
And everybody knows that when you're working in old homes with old pipes, that these things happen as a regular uh, as a regular occurrence. So in kan vare So then we wouldn't even say for sure that the plumber is considered to be a mazik, and then we would not be able to hold him liable for the uh, for the damages. Um, Okay, so the last part we don't uh, we don't need to see, but these are the uh, the rules as we said at the at, at the outset. These are the rules that apply to the very common scenarios where you hire somebody to go ahead and make some repairs on your house, and in the course of doing so, either they or their employee causes damages. And we have these four or five different scenarios which determine whether or not the general contractor is high for what his employee did or not, or whether the uh, employee himself is going to be responsible for the damage which he causes or circumstances where he may be exempt from that uh, that liability. Okay, so that is what we have for tonight. So hopefully next 